This is John Halsman, and welcome to our latest Around the World in 20 Minutes crisis podcast about the Russian invasion of Ukraine. Uh, we've all been moved by what's happened, and I've talked almost constantly about it since it's happened regarding uh, Ukraine's strong and heroic defense of its sovereignty, which is to be lauded and honored and supported. And we've all been watched as despicably President Putin has, in losing, doubled down on barbarism as a way forward as the blitzkrieg, which he desperately needed, a quick, decisive, lightning victory that he thought would come. I mean, we're now clear from Russian war plans that they thought they would take Kiev in two days and the whole country, which is bigger than the size of France, in two weeks, that Putin's thesis that Ukraine was not a country would be proven true that Eastern Ukraine always in voting patterns looking Russian speaking, if you go there in the architecture, Russian architecture, that this was in essence, as Putin said, just a part of the Russian empire, an outlying province that needed to be restored to greater Russia to give it strategic depth, as Putin would go on to become one of the great czars, restoring Russia to great power status with satellite countries in front of it to protect it from invasion, as successfully worked against Charles XII of Sweden in the 18th century, Napoleon in the 19th century, and the Kaiser and Hitler in the 20th century. So this was a natural, organic process. Ukraine wasn't a country, had no nationality, but was too divided ethnic groups with Western Ukrainians who speak Ukrainian as a primary language, part of the Habsburg Empire around Lviv, looking westward, while Russian-speaking Eastern Ukraine would always look to Mother Russia, so this was not one country anyway. Well, this has been disproven by what's happened, whereas Zelensky, uh, who wasn't very good at governing before the war when he had an approval rating of only around 25%, has proven himself brave, heroic, and Churchillian, and now has an approval rating throughout the country of over 90%. That ironically in invading, Putin has proved his thesis to be utterly wrong and ironically has triggered Ukrainian nationhood and nationality with the Russian invasion as a founding moment in Ukraine's history and the common brave response of all Ukrainians, 90% of the country, to the Russian invasion has forged a Ukrainian national identity that may not have even been there before. And further, that the West has woken from its long slumber and galvanized itself to support Ukraine as it most assuredly should. Uh, certainly in waking up Germany alone, which has been asleep for my adult lifetime. In two weeks, Putin's invasion did more to restore German strategic purpose than anything that's happened in the last 25 years. And all the strategic asks that I've made over this last generation to be only told that they were impossible, uh, that nothing could ever be done, that in effect Germany was an intellectual strategic black hole, never to be cured, and because of it being a black hole, mercantilist, isolationist economics first, dependent on trade with China and gas from Russia, that as it was a black hole, Europe would never amount to much, would be at best a Tower of Babel, and at worst, incoherent and rudderless. And all this has gone away, that Germany, with abrogating of Nord Stream 2, uh, with agreeing to finally spend the 2% I've been begging them to spend my adult lifetime, agreeing to spend 100 billion euro to revive their antiquated weaponry, that they're allowing the EU to buy weapons and give them to the Ukrainians, 
suddenly you have on board a, a revived Germany and thus geostrategically a revived Europe. Yes, in the short and medium run, Europe is going to take an almighty hit and go into recession because of its terrible energy policy, self-induced suicidal wound over the last generation for which Chancellor Merkel bears a huge responsibility. She, in fact, wanted to double Europe's addiction and Germany's addiction of natural gas through the, the proposition of Nord Stream 2, which would have left Germany 70% dependent on Russian gas. As I've said, it's like a drug addict going to its dealer and saying, can you please double my dose? The dealer, of course, is going to say, of course, great idea, as the Russians did. But Merkel, uh, who was going to be seen to me as the Neville Chamberlain of this period, who appeased the Russians, who went along with this nonsense and was going to leave Germany utterly dependent on natural gas, bears a huge res historic responsibility for her folly. And Schultz has undone this. And so now we have a rearming Germany, an already successfully rearmed France, which has a first-rate military. So after this short-term economic hit that Europe is going to take, ironically, Europe becomes a buy um, for every uh, investor out there, finally having a fixed geostrategic purpose, being firmly moored in the West again, finally having an army, finally having that defense identity that Europe has talked about since the European defense community in the 1950s, and President Macron of France has yearned for. Putin has done all this in a blink of an eye. And at the largest global level, he's reunified the West. We have on one side now, we have the clear outlines of a Cold War, of the autocracies, a wounded Russia playing Robin to China's Batman, and on the other side, a dominant grouping of established powers, all democratic, the United States, the Anglosphere countries, these English-speaking countries, England, Canada, Australia, New Zealand. Uh, you also have the EU, India, and Japan on the other side. And these coalitions, which had been muddied by Europe becoming increasingly neutralist, and the Russians also flirting with neutralism, Ukraine has sorted this out, with Europe moving decisively in the Western direction and Russia moving in the Chinese direction. We can now see clearly the outlines for the great power structure moving ahead, which is good news for the democracies. Awakened and invigorated, they are the dominant force in the world, and China has watched helplessly as this has all gone away due to Putin's folly, his reckless gamble that he could take Kiev in two days and Ukraine in two weeks. All of this is to be celebrated, and for all the tragedy of the moment, all of this is good news. But, and here comes the realist but, we must be careful not to overreach. Hal Brands and Michael Beckley wrote a very interesting article today for, in Foreign Affairs saying the awakened West is good news, but we must be careful uh, to look at the historical analogy. Much as the Korean War was the corrective awakening the West to the Truman moment, where Truman and Eisenhower united around containment doctrine, we will have a political contest with the Soviets everywhere. We will not try to do rollback using nuclear weapons on the right as MacArthur uh, wished for, which would have been insanity, or equally insane as Henry Wallace on the left said, appeasing Stalin and Mao. That also would have been crazy, but instead we will have a largely political competition with um, Stalin at the time and Mao. And Eisenhower made a comment that I've echoed about Russia and Ukraine and why even today we're likely to beat the autocracies. 
Remember that we have walls or create walls or trying to create wall in the United States to keep people out who are desperate to come in. And with the Berlin Wall, a wall was created to try to keep people in who desperately wanted to come out. For all the many follies and failings of the West, people want to join it. People don't want to join Russia. People don't want to become members of China. And in fact, China produces about one third of all the AI engineers in the world, the top class engineers. But only one tenth of these one third of Chinese engineers live in China. The rest have fled for the better social existence of living in the democratic West. This huge cultural pull is wildly underrated and is perhaps our greatest weapon. As Eisenhower also said, you have five choices to order the world in the 20th century. The Kaiser, Hitler, Stalin, Mao, and the bumbling old United States. Anyone who would not choose the United States simply doesn't know how the world works. This remains true. The great secret of democratic success is it's a far better way to live than any other way that's come up before. That the ennoblement of individual liberty, individual freedom, individual rights, having an individual life versus the totalitarians is such a magnetic draw. It is a revolutionary draw that has seen us to victory over all these many other dictators who thought that we were weak and decadent rather than being attractive for ennobling the individual. And that remains true. But as is true about Korea, we must be incredibly careful not to overstretch. As we did in Korea, having turned the war around at Incheon and MacArthur speeding north, the United States, hesitating at the border but pushed on by popular forces, went too far into North Korea up to the Chinese border. My father was involved in this and told me these harrowing stories. He heard the cymbals and gongs, and then a million Chinese came over the border, and the United States engaged in their great heroic retreat, eventually under the great General Ridgeway, salvaging South Korea by a miracle of military skill and American heroism, salvaging South Korea, but at great cost. We must be careful in this moment of Ukraine standing up heroically and nobly, not to let our emotions get the better of us as they did in Korea, but to look at all that we've gained. As I've said, we now see Ukraine as a nationality. NATO has a purpose. It always did. But the dimmest analysts in Europe have woken up to the value of life insurance. Again, the EU is on the march geostrategically in a way it hasn't been in my lifetime. And the West and the democratic world is dominant. That is wonderful. But let us take our winnings off the table. Let us not now talk in utopian Wilsonian terms as we did in Korea, or there will be terrible blowback. We must be careful to say, as has been said correctly by the Biden administration and by the Europeans, that Ukraine, for all its heroism, must still meet the standards to join both the EU and the NATO. It does not get automatic membership because of its heroic fighting. It gets its nationality. It will need great help in rebuilding its country, which we should give it without a thought. But think of the purpose of NATO and why it's worked. Why is Poland not under threat, but Ukraine under threat? Because everyone knows that when you're in NATO, when you have the magic guarantee that the NATO members are broadly democratic, broadly capitalistic, have to deal with rule of law issues, but are doing so in Romania and Bulgaria and have the backing of the American army. Everyone said, what's the line in Eastern Europe? And I've said the line is clear. The line is NATO membership. 
We should not refuse Ukraine the possibility of being a member, but we must care more about the NATO as an institution than any individual country. It's NATO that matters. It's NATO that's the guarantor. It's people who add to American security and don't take away from it that must be seen as the goal. This is not a popular thing to say at the moment, but then again, realism is never popular. It's just right. I am not for closing the door on Ukraine, and if and when in a generation, and that's how long it will take, it meets the goals for membership of NATO, it should be admitted, the door should be kept open. The United States was right to reject Putin's insane offer to tell us who gets to run our club despite us winning the Cold War. This is absolutely right and proper. But we must be careful not to overextend NATO, as almost happened over Georgia, or you get the recklessness in 2008 of Georgia trying to regain South Ossetia, thinking the Americans would come to their defense and offer them NATO membership in a crisis, short-circuiting the process of having a member membership action plan and actually fulfilling the criteria to join. The reason NATO works is that the countries have fulfilled the criteria, not the other way around. We don't let people in and then they fill the criteria. The reason NATO is the most successful alliance in the history of the world is because the criteria are what matter. NATO is what matter, not any individual country. And if we take in countries who are not ready for membership patently, as Ukraine is not, with huge demographic problems, huge corruption problems, huge rule of law problems, indefensible from an American point of view, we would not be doing the Ukrainians a service. We would not be doing the United States a service. We would not be doing NATO and the West a service. We must slowly, methodically keep to our guns and take in those who are ready to be taken in. This is not ever to preclude increasing membership. Ukraine has certainly proven itself to be a Western country. That argument is culturally and civilizationally over. Putin was wrong. NATO is in, Ukraine is indeed a Western country. But it must only be admitted when it meets the criteria for both the EU and NATO. We should help them meet it. We should move troops forward to protect every NATO member in the East. We should establish permanent basing in the East of the NATO members in Eastern Europe. I am all for doing this. I am for taking the winnings we have on the table and making it absolutely crystal clear to Xi and to Putin that these are indeed Western countries with the full backing of NATO membership. But because that line is so solid, we must methodically take in new members if we take them in at all. And remember, it is NATO as an institution that matters. And we must desperately, desperately be careful not to overextend and overreach because then we lose the value of NATO. If NATO takes in members that we cannot defend or are not ready for membership, we are merely destroying the most successful alliance in the history of the world, which has just proven yet again its efficacy, which everyone had forgotten, that life insurance matters. I remember talking about, we don't need to find a new purpose for NATO. Its old purpose is life insurance to keep the Americans in, the Russians out, and the Germans integrated remains. And people literally, these are analysts who have jobs, who haven't been fired, extraordinarily said to me, what threat is there to Europe? as though they have no knowledge of history, that the winds in Europe have led to three wars, a World War I, World War II, and the Cold War, and could well lead to another one, as we're seeing now, that we simply don't know what's going to happen in the next three to five years, I said, so life insurance matters. We don't need to find a new purpose for NATO. We have to reinvigorate the old purpose of NATO. That is not to say that we do not have to also encourage the Europeans now, as they are reviving their geostrategic 
um, reality, waking from their long nap, their slumber, to say we need Europe's help in dealing with Russia and China as a semi-coherent entity, that we need to build a network of alliances as we're doing through the Quad in Asia, through which has exactly the right great powers in it, Japan, India, the Anglosphere through the Australians and the United States. We need to find ways to encourage the, the UK and other Anglosphere countries to have a role and the EU to have a role in this as we globalize this Western democratic alliance. The West is not an area. The West is a series of values revolving around capitalism, the rights of the individual and the sanctity of individual liberty, democratic governments, pluralism, um, individual rights codified in a constitution that people take seriously. Uh, Japan is part of the West, for instance, and, and this is obvious. We must now coordinate far greater about alliances between Europe and Asia so that this democratic front, this moment of democratic solidarity in, de in dealing with Putin isn't lost, that we creatively build, that we have this Truman moment in the United States where the right and left, realists and moderates on the right and left, meet up together and build this new security architecture based on common democratic states in an established world with common democratic values and common democratic institutions. Now is the time for a new Truman moment, and we must seize it, but we must not overreach. We must seize it and move together methodically, but move and move as a tandem. Because if we do, no one can stand up to us. And that is the great lesson of the Russian invasion of Ukraine and the Ukrainian crisis, that we are far more solid in the West than people think. We have bet been bet against as a weak, hopeless people. As Harriman, Avril Harriman, one of the great wise men, after the war to say, people think the Americans just want to go home and drink a Coke. And that may be true, but when a united people comes together democratically, it simply cannot be stopped. That is the lesson we must take away. And we must now rise to the level of Eisenhower and Truman, our wonderful forebears, see off challenges from the neoconservative right and the far left. And in the center, build this common democratic world with common democratic institutions. And we must do it now. I, for one, am ready for that challenge. On we go. Thank you so much for listening. Hope you enjoyed this. I thought this was a very necessary comment to make. We will keep them coming. Uh, if you do like it, and so many of you have, we have doubled our membership in just the last month, and we're incredibly grateful for that. But please do give. We're only asking $70 a year, $7 a month for daily crisis coverage, as well as the usual book serializations, Around the World in 20 Minutes podcast, The Crisis Vlogs, JL Writer, who's writing wonderful, creative, edgy work on the society, um, and Publius, who's doing great work on electoral and having a roving brief about how the electoral system in the West actually works. If you enjoy all this, $70 a year is a small price to pay for our great contribution to Substack, which is revolutionizing in a very positive, disruptive way, the news system. And just as we coordinate this new alliance system, be part of the new news system and get unvarnished news where I can talk directly to my community without any editors getting in the way, something I adore. Please do give and on we go.